Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. Jesus took the punishment for my sin. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. That is true. But does Jesus paying the price for our wrongdoing mean there are no consequences for sin? Let's talk about it. If you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a big shalom to our listeners in Washington State and Brazil. Listen out for Red Pill Torah on a radio station near you. You know, the grace and kindness of Yeshua is a huge topic for believers these days, and it's pretty understandable why. Mm -hmm. As we learn more about our faith, we get an idea of the trouble that we were really in. And without the atonement of Yeshua, we would have no chance and no hope. There are many scriptures that support that, Daddy. Mm -hmm. When we sin, we are writing a check we cannot cash. Maybe we should put that in a more modern term. Okay. I'm sure now there are many young people who haven't written checks these days. So how about we say, when we sin, we create a huge electronic overdraft on our account and no one has enough available credit to cover the debt or the fees. Mm, You know, I think that's a good analogy, Mama. It seems like for some believers, sinning is like having the ability to charge expenses to some billionaire's credit card. It's all covered in this case by Yeshua the Messiah. So have faith, don't sweat the details and let it ride. Yeshua paid it all. Besides, it's because of the law that we know about our sin. Now that the law is supposedly done away with, sin is no big deal. Sin isn't cool, but since it's been paid for, maybe it isn't such a big deal, right? When we read our English translations of the Bible, we see words like forgive, pardon, excuse, overlook, wink, and other words like that. This is another instance in which it helps to study from the Hebrew language and context. Our translations don't always use the same English word to describe any particular Hebrew word. In addition, it turns out that forgiveness or pardoning has a different meaning in the Hebrew context. When we study the Bible, it means what it meant when it was written. The meaning that we may insert to fit our modern-day context is not necessarily what the Scripture says. Let's look at an example from the Torah. In Numbers 13, we see the story of Israel on the verge of crossing into the Promised Land. Elohim told Moshe to have the people choose a reputable representative from each tribe to spy out the land. The spies returned in 40 days and validated the rich qualities of the land Ten of the spies said that the inhabitants of the land were too strong for Israel to dispossess them. After all, there were some big dudes in the land. We read Israel's reaction in Numbers chapter 14. Reading from verse 1. At this time, all the people of Israel cried out in dismay and wept all night long. Moreover, all the people of Israel began grumbling against Moshe and Aaron. The whole community told them, we wish we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died here in the, in the desert. 
Why is Jehovah bringing us to this land where we will die by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be taken as booty. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to each other, Let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Moshe and Aaron fell on their faces before the people, while Joshua and Caleb pleaded with them to not rebel against Jehovah. In reply, the people of Israel got the idea to stone Joshua and Caleb. Just then, the glory of Jehovah appeared in the tent of meeting. Verse 11 says, Jehovah said to Moshe, How much longer is this people going to treat me with contempt? Mm. How much longer will they not trust me, especially considering all the signs I've performed among them? I'm going to strike them with sickness, destroy them, and make from you, Moshe, a nation greater and stronger than they are. At that point, Moshe interceded for the people of Israel, stating that Jehovah's great name and reputation was at stake. If Elohim did not get Israel into their promised land, the Egyptians and other unbelieving adversaries of Israel would conclude that he couldn't get the job done. Verse 19 continues with Moshe's request. It says, Please forgive the offense of this people according to the greatness of your grace, just as you have borne this people from Egypt until now. Daddy, let's talk about the words translated as forgive in the Bible. Mama, you know, I think we talked about this word a few podcasts ago. The first mention of the word forgive in the English Bible is in the story of Joseph. After our father Israel died, Joseph's brothers were concerned that he would take revenge. In Genesis chapter 50, verses 16 to 17, they told Joseph that Israel, their father, told them to ask Joseph to forgive them. In this verse, the Hebrew word nasah is used. Nasah means to carry something. In essence, the brothers were saying, Hey, look, Joseph, I know you, you're going to think about the evil that we did to you from time to time. Please don't punish us for the evil we did. Instead, carry that offense and allow us to have a good relationship with you, in spite of what we did. After Israel sinned with the golden calf, we see Moshe making a similar request of Elohim, that Elohim Nasah or carry Israel's sin. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 19, when asking Elohim to forgive the sin caused by the ten spies with a bad report, Moshe uses the word salach. Salach is translated as pardon and forgive in the English Bible, but there is more to this Hebrew word. Salach is not used to describe forgiveness that a person might give to another person. It is only used to describe what Yehovah Elohim might do for a person or group of people. In addition, we see instances in which Salah may defer or eliminate the punishment due for the sin committed, but the Torah teaches us about compensation due to the offended party. That compensation may involve adding one-fifth to the value of a lost or damaged item when the offender repays the offended person, for example. Mm -hmm. We must remember that all sin involves an offense to one or more parties. That's right, Mama. All sin is an offense to our Elohim, and that's why in the Torah we see repentant debtors bringing offerings to the temple to be offered to Elohim. Justice demands that he be compensated by the sinner. When it comes to Salah, 
The punishment may be waived or deferred, but the compensation is still due. The debt remains and must be paid. In the case of Israel, in Numbers chapter 14, they did not die for their sin against Elohim because the punishment was taken away. However, justice demanded that they not go into the promised land. So the Israelites, over 19 years old, died in the wilderness. That was the price of their rebellion. We see this idea of Salah in the story of David and Bathsheba. David fathered a child with a married woman and arranged for her husband to be killed in the battle to cover up the sin. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, David acknowledges his sin. The Torah outlined the penalty for adultery and murder. David deserved to die at the hands of whoever witnessed the crime with the help of all of Israel. Natan, the prophet, immediately replied with, Jehovah has put away your sin. You will not be killed. However, Jehovah reclaimed the life of the child who was conceived, and David's family developed a legacy of infighting, infidelity, treason, and bloodshed. Mm. This was the decree of Jehovah Elohim, the righteous judge. David's sin was paid for by David and his family in full measure. Yikes. You know, in both Israel and King David's stories, we see the justice and mercy of Elohim, all working at the same time. One aspect of his mercy that we often miss is that Elohim did not eliminate the covenant that he made with Israel or the covenant that he made with King David. Mm -hmm. The covenants continued despite the exacted price that they all paid for their sin. In addition, Yehovah gave them continued life, and with that, opportunity to continue enjoying his covenant. That makes me glad that Elohim is not a man that he should lie or the son of a man that he should change his mind. When Elohim gives his word, he is able to perform it, even if we complicate matters with our own sin. In the very next chapter, the first instruction Elohim gives to Israel through Moshe is about the offerings Israel is to give when they come into the promised land. That is a clear reminder of his intent to keep his covenant. This commandment about offerings in the promised land also comforted the people over 20. They were assured that their children would live on in the covenant with the Creator. There are several key points in this story that we all need to remember. You know, forgiveness for sin is not a simple, cheap, or easy matter. Miss, I really like your analogy about sin creating a huge overdraft on the sinner's account that she or he simply can't cover? Did Yeshua take on our punishment? Absolutely. Could a sinner still face consequences for the sins she or he committed? Absolutely, yes. Could those consequences impact generations who had no direct connection to the sin? Yes, they could. Jehovah Elohim is the righteous judge, sovereign over everything we do. He is also an offended party when sin is committed. There is no place to hide from his reach or his ability to exact compensation for the sin committed against him. That's why we are to leave vengeance to him and let him exact whatever is right. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and be comfortable in ongoing sin knowing that Yeshua paid it all? Or would you take the red pill, see Jehovah as judge and the most offended party, and do all you can to avoid sin? 
Only you can answer that question. Sin is no small matter, and its impact can reach for generations. Just because we did not die or be punished immediately when we sin, that should not make us comfortable enough to continue sinning. And if we are dealing with some lingering consequences of our sin, we can still rejoice in Jehovah's faithfulness to his covenant. Amen, Mama. Well, that's all we have time for today. Listen again, read over the scriptures we shared, and talk about them with a friend. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth.